There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 10 with my buddy John Sheezer. Uh, John, Justin Leon is going to be uh, coming on in just a little while. Make his debut appearance. Well, re, he was on episode... Re-emergence. Yeah, which episode number? He was on some of the previous ones. Yeah, we talked about the election. We, we, Justin and I have actually recorded, like, hours and stuff, but it never made it to the podcast. So. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be on, and uh, I've got a prank call. I'm getting ready to play you guys, and then we're going to talk about some stuff, and... Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. All right, so let's see, get this thing fired up here. Do you want to set this up? Or what, what uh, yeah, a few days ago I called a uh, Indian artifacts museum, and uh, and and this is what I did. Hello, Pat. Um, my cousin and I have hit a buffalo on the highway, and we know that you guys use... Uh, for Indian artifacts, every part of the buffalo, and we would like to bring it in there. It's very heavy, and I would like to sell it to you, and then we, you can cut it up and use it for. Yeah. For we don't purchase any. We don't purchase anything. We're a nonprofit. We don't have money to purchase anything. <laughs> okay. Well, then how about we, we will bring it in and donate it to you, and then you can. You don't cut up I'd the have buffalo. To, I have to ask Andrew first. I can't take anything without talking to our curator. <laughs> Can we just dump the buffalo on top of it? No, your... you cannot. No, no, no. Because then we would have to get rid of it. <laughs> but it is very useful, I would think, for it to sell um, to customers buffalo. Um, they use yeah. everything. The Indians did no, right I, down I, to the tongues. Sure. I'm very I impressed with how, the Indians. Yeah, I don't know how useful it is, but I could talk with Andrew if you want to leave your number. I'll call him. I'll get a hold of him and then call you back. Okay. In the meantime, we will just come and dump the buffalo on your front. No, no, no. You cannot come and dump the buffalo off here. Okay. We will. We will come shortly and dump the buffalo. Thank you for your time. No, you're not dumping the buffalo here. Well, hello. Oh man, the fact that she—the fact that you got her to say no, you can't dump the buffalo. No, you cannot dump the buffalo here. Oh, that's bad. That's one of my favorite things to do is call someone and and act like you didn't hear what they said and just keep making them get pissed off about it. You know, like okay, we'll be down there soon, and they're like, "Sir, you did not hear me. I said you could not come down here, sir." No, you said they come down in the two minutes. At okay, the r- so r- I will be there soon to dump the buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about uh, uh, that voice until I started doing it again a few days ago. Uh, It's kind of a cross between uh, Hispanic and uh, Ladka Gravis from uh, Taxi. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Andy Kaufman's character. Andy Kaufman character. Hello, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, that was a great freaking character. Yeah, great Um, great freaking man. So I did Stanford's last week, and you just got back from Stanford's, and uh, you had a little power outage during your set. Yeah, it was okay. Before we get into that, were you on stage at one point years ago during a hailstorm? Did, did was that? Did you tell me that? Uh, I don't know. To be honest with you. Yeah, someone apparently and previously there was someone I had heard a story from a comic that they were on stage there into tin roof mm-hmm. and it started hailing. So it was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. And anyone that's been through a hailstorm knows what that sounds like. Um, I've been in those situations. It's like when you're in um, at Crackers in Indianapolis, second show at their last at their old club. The club downstairs would start, you know, doing their thing. So halfway through my set, you know, because I'm pretty, 
I'm not, I don't talk real loud on stage other than having a microphone, but you could hear that boom, boom, boom. And you're like, yeah, that's not distracting at all. <laughs> oh, that's not interrupting any of this stuff. The but baseline. I've never had, I've done, I've done a set uh, leaning over a stool for 45 minutes because my back was out. And I literally couldn't stand up straight, but the, oh, the power's never gone out on me. Yeah, I was I was 17 minutes in, and the power goes out, and all the flood, you know, the emergency floodlights come on, and uh, um, a couple people came up and put their cell phone lights on and set it, you know, so the light was shining up. Like people from the crowd? Well, uh, Randy Bergard, one of the comedians from Kansas City, who had, was on the show that night, he came up and then put one up there, and um, it was, and then I just kind of just kind of talked and i just i just continued with my set and uh i, I don't even i don't even want to say power through it because it was fun did i just talked have, did you have a microphone no no microphone i just it was i just talked with my hands I, I i was joking about how i felt like i was like at a campfire church camp or something like that and, right you know did that sort of thing but uh yeah it's crazy what you can do when you don't have a choice you know like one time i was at stanford and sons and it was uh it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, and this was a long time ago. So, are you talking Westport Club? No, this was in uh, this Hooters. Was, this was when Legends first opened. Okay, and uh, which I think was two thousand and eight or so. It's, it's it seems like it's been there ten years, right? Yeah, it's been there a while, and then it moved, but when it came back, and uh, I was there, and I was supposed to be featuring, I think, and the uh, there was no MC, and like the headliner. I don't know if I was closing or featuring, but one of the two, which the other comic didn't show up for whatever reason. So Jeff's like, can you just, can you do an hour? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do an hour, but I kind of need to, just give me five minutes, because the show was getting ready to start. I'm like, just give me like five, seven minutes to kind of regroup my head to headline rather than feature, you know, doing an hour Doing a one-man show instead of 20 minutes, well, you know. Yeah, because you said last week, that's why you love your Tropicana shows, which are coming up here, because you do, as the headlining set, it's 35 minutes. So, right. you're, you know, it's just fastball, fastball, fastball. Yeah. An hour, you know, you, you want to mix in a curveball, some change-ups. In the, in the, yeah. I went to a lot of baseball this week. But, <laughs> but, but, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's why you need the five minutes, listeners, to... Yeah, I'm like, just give me five minutes to wrap my head around the fact that I'm doing a one-man show now and doing at least an hour. And uh, and he came, like, I go back to, like, to like write down a few things and some, some new stuff because I'm like, well, I'm going to do this long. I might as well try some new shit, too. So I'm, like, writing down some stuff, and I hear, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage your headliner, host, and MC and feature act, Tim Gaither. And I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, uh, just five minutes. I just need five minutes. Yeah, I just needed five freaking minutes, dude. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's what I'm saying is that it's amazing what you can – what you can pull off when you when you don't just don't have a choice, you know, or or if it, if you know a gig is gonna suck right off the bat and you've been up there for one minute and you've got forty four left, <laughs> you're just you can just sense it like oh this is gonna suck. Yeah, it, it was. Uh... And sometimes though those turn out good. Like when you you go out there you go up there and kind of a Amen. this is gonna suck mood or whatever or they have sucked the whole show. And for whatever reason, they just get on board with you, or they can sense that you don't give a shit either. And they're, you know, crowds are almost like dogs or freaking women, or they can just sense like, like if you're uh, if you're scared. <laughs> it's, or sometimes when, well, could you could you be kind of clean, not too many f bombs and that sort of thing. And so you're like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna keep it clean and not try to offend anyone with unnecessary language. And then all, and then halfway through, 
you drop like your dirtiest joke by far and the whole place erupts and you're like, yeah, fuck you. Like, why did yeah. you say all that shit to me? Right. Manager guy or whoever booker guy or what? Because they're worried about the one person who might complain. They're not worried about the 300 people having a good time. They're worried about the one person, especially if it's like a, a, a corporate event and they're like paying the club a lot to be there. You know, they want to make oh, yeah, sure nobody bitches. Yeah, so yeah, they're like right. PG 13. I'm like, you know, we've talked about this. I'm like, they're not fucking 13 years old, 13 year olds. So yeah. why do I got to talk to them like they yeah, are? It's, it's just like stupid. They're, you know, 38 year old coked up Cerner executives. So it's, just... <laughs> it's the same thing we do with old people. You know, like there's some older people there. I'm like, well, then they've heard it all. You know, they're not going to get all whatever. I mean, sometimes they do. But... Like that guy survived Nam. I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hearing my, hearing my dick joke. That's what's um, crazy. That non-veterans now are the old, like those guys are like 70, you know, those are like what World War II veterans were when we were kids. Yeah. It's weird to think that because growing up watching the platoon and, you know, all those like, hey, we just did heroin and just did went crazy. And, uh, God, we used to quote platoon all the time. That first 15, well, no, it wasn't platoon. It was uh, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Oh. I don't think I ever really watched, I mean, I did watch the whole movie, but that first 15, 20 minutes with... Uh, private pile <laughs> oh man that was the best that dude's a good freaking actor yeah i uh i one time in hell i like you you can come over to my house and fuck my sister it's like jesus christ this guy <laughs> then he came back and did that like he had his own little show there for a while on the uh, history channel yeah like about 10 years ago he's hilarious he had some great lines he had some of the best cinema lines ever in that movie uh, private pile. Dude, I, I that movie's psycho, and I in college I walked in to my buddy's apartment, and his friend was taking acid for the first time and watching Full, Full Metal, Metal Jacket. Oh, wow! I'm like, are you trying to just permanently like mess your head up? But he he yeah. survived it, lo and behold. But uh, in uh, the the world's largest LSD lab was outside of Topeka no. for, for a couple of years. There was a big. Um, so in the late 90s, this guy bought an old missile silo and six stories underground, he put in this huge LSD lab. Wow. And he ran it, was making um, just thousands of gallons of acid. Wow. And uh, eventually got busted. But there was a huge, uh, I, I want to say the story was in Rolling Stone circa 03, 04. But I think this guy was running um, like from the late, for a good five four or five years through the late 90s and early aughts. Yeah. Because I remember in college, everybody had, like you couldn't walk down Mass Street in Lawrence without someone trying to sell you acid. Wow. It was it was everywhere. And then lo and come to find out because the world's largest manufacturer was 15 Underneath miles it. away wow. out in some cornfield huh. in between Topeka and Lawrence. Can you imagine being the first guy that, that tried acid? You know, I, I think one of the just passed away last week. It's some, some. I know Timothy Leary like invented it or something. I think. And then he had the uh, I think the uh, the electric acid Kool Aid test. You know he had some dumbass try it. He's just like, come here. I, I'm pretty sure it origin. Well, for what it's when worth, you're done sweeping over there, I got something for you to do. I, <laughs> He's like, what? He's like, just take this. Just, just eat this eat. cookie, and I'm gonna watch you for about four hours. I think it started in the military. I want to say. Yeah. Well, so, so oh yeah, you're right. You know that that for that, like that's when get... meth started. Hitler started that shit, so his soldiers could stay awake. And uh, yeah, that's where all that shit started, I believe. From my uh, my education, <laughs> holds up. Be it, paying for till I'm eighty. I'm not asking for this to hold up in court, but what I it, that yeah, I've heard that before. I think I've seen that in some documentaries. Yeah, um, 
They were trying to make like the the perfect soldier, and you know. it's always the military. It's gonna, which is also for cures, you know, and stuff like that. But you know, it's a if something was invented, it was for the military, right? Usually, yeah, because that's why they get twenty eight billion dollars a week uh, to spend. Yeah, that is a yeah. I did a joke about Syria when I was in Kansas City. Now, how did that go over? Cause uh, I feel like that's a you know a pro refugee like cause I, and maybe that's just you know my family you know like you know support the Im- immigration you know it, refugees thing but it did well it's a uh, it's a degree of difficulty joke which uh, Jason Dixon one of my biggest comedy influences when I was starting out uh, used to talk about uh, degree of difficulty jokes you know he's like it's easy to kill when you're just going out there and and doing swan dives it's easy to get a perfect ten you know and and uh, get laughs out of doing swan dives, so to speak. But do a fucking triple gainer and see if you get a laugh. You know, talk about talk about you know race or or something going on in the world, political or or you know something that's gonna has the potential to piss people off. You know, or the but the payoff for a degree of difficulty can be uh, huge. You know, if you do a degree of difficulty joke and you, you hit a triple gainer and nail that sucker, well, then people are going to remember that shit. They're not just going to, oh, we laughed the whole time. They're like, do you remember that freaking uh, John Kennedy assassination bit he did that was so fucking, you know, because it's it's one of those things. No, you're messing it up. You're messing it up. Yeah, it's one of those things where it either gets you a huge ovation or it gets just crickets. Like that thing we were talking about last week with the, that that podcast no one, none of you fuckers listen to um when we talked about the uh, uh gay bar joke that i did oh okay killed. Yeah. yeah and then the next night just got me stared at it's a great difficulty it's joke. a great story and you guys can of course listen to that that's in uh, episode number nine it is episode nine my pod my podcast producer was pretty busy this week with his own shit so uh we didn't get all the stuff up that we wanted as far as like um where it needs to be and all that stuff but uh, i think it's going pretty well i hope you guys like it and we're having fun doing it and we're gonna have my buddy john on soon or J- uh, justin on soon and i'm gonna ask him about uh about him about some stuff we uh we had quite a uh starting out of our comedy career over off of uh warwick in kansas city him and justin myself and justin and uh chris porter uh we smoked ridiculous amounts of pot and some of the funniest things any of us have ever done uh, were born and died in that room. Like no one ever got to hear some of the funniest shit we did. But now, what? Now, what is this? Warwick? Uh, that was the address of uh, Justin and Chris, where they lived. Oh, was and that in uh, like in KC, right over by? It was like maybe ten minutes from Westport, from the club we all started out in. And uh, he and I and Justin used to go back after the open mic, especially. And when we first started getting good, and that was what I was going to talk about, was uh, when Justin first started featuring. He, uh, I, I, maybe I should save this for when Justin's on the podcast. But. Well, I like this because I, I like the listener to understand who Justin is, and and because you guys have been long, yeah. long time friends. I mean, he, you know, spoke at your wedding, and yeah, I've been doing comedy for over eighteen years, and I've been friends with Justin since six months into it. Um, and we talked about it on a previous podcast. I think we've. Just always, we couldn't, in a lot of ways, couldn't be more different. Like, I'm short and white, he's tall and black, um, he's smooth, I'm not always that smooth. I can be when I want to be, goddammit. Um, but he's just, uh, but in some ways we're, we're like, it's like we're related, 
or like we share the same brain. Um, and we have great conversations. And the more we talk on these podcasts, the better those conversations will get. That came up yesterday. He was like, well, what is your uh, goal with the podcast? And I'm like, well, uh, he's like, is there, do you, is there a certain thing you want to talk about all the time? Or is it going to be about wrestling or comedy? Or, and it's really just going to be about um, all kinds of shit. You know, whatever is going on, you know, that I feel like talking about. And that's part of it is I want to keep finding my my voice, you know, I mean, finding your voice in comedy is a never ending thing. You know, Bill Burr told me that he didn't, he felt like he hadn't found his yet. And, you know, that guy's done five specials in the last three years or whatever. I mean, he's doing it, you know, and doing it well. Um, but he still doesn't feel like he's found his voice. And I feel like any comic worth a shit doesn't ever feel like, oh, I've, I'm there now. I've made it or, or whatever. Like I've gotten to where I can do a good job all the time. But like really talking about stuff that's important to me, not only is it hard to do on stage because it's a fine line between like being on a soapbox and your job is to entertain them. You know, I mean, life is hard and shitty. I've been on the soapbox, I think, previously when I would headline a little bit too much. But that's just because I, you know, it's like I hate this thing or just, you know, rag on a certain topic, maybe a little too long or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's an art form. I mean, Bill Hicks was the best about it. And, and again, talk about degree of difficulty jokes. I mean, he got his leg broken after a show one time. He had a joke that he wrote later. Um, He's like, these Christians came up to me and they're like, Hey buddy, we're Christian. We didn't like some of the things you said. They're like pushing him, you know, and he's like, well, then forgive me. <laughs> and he's like, later when I was hanging from the tree, but they uh, broke his leg that night. Uh, he did get his leg broken after a show. That's 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 crazy. Yeah. I mean, learned to wrestle, Bill Hicks. And, and Justin's, from, Justin's in uh, Chicago now, right? Justin does live uh, either in Chicago or just right outside of it. And I think he lives in like, um, I don't know. You have to ask him. I haven't, right, right. I haven't got to see you. it yet. But, uh, yeah, he's in Chicago now, um, for all intents and purposes, whether he lives just close to it or, or whatever. But, uh, now did you guys, did you guys hit the road a lot together as, as much as as we could? Yeah. We did one nighters and shit like that, but Justin featured before Chris or myself, Chris may have been featuring already, but Justin featured before me. And when featuring at Westport, was it, I mean, you would almost do it for free because it was such a good gig. I mean featuring in Westport it's the the best position we've talked about it before the feature spots the easiest and best spot to be in that was a shoebox room black it was it when it was black packed, and white checkered it, stage yeah when yeah. it was packed it was I mean packed yeah you started there right yep that's right yeah it was fucking awesome and uh, I walked in one night to watch Justin feature and last week we talked about Bruce Bruce a little bit on episode nine and Justin was featuring for Bruce Bruce and uh he was up there. I think it may have been the same night I did a guest spot. Brian Burgess didn't think I could do well in front of a black crowd. And I was like, oh, I'll do great in front of a black crowd. And I killed it. And this was like, God, 15, 16 years ago. I mean, Justin started featuring quickly. And he was on stage. And uh, and he's killing. And he, like, had this handkerchief in his, po- in his breast pocket. And he, like, pulled it out and, like, <laughs> popped it. And I don't know what he did, like, cleaned something. I mean, he just looked smooth as shit. And he was like, oh, Bruce Bruce is here, but Justin Leon's in this motherfucker right now. <laughs> and the place went crazy. And I was just like, normally, normally I would, you know, especially back then, I was young and pretty cocky. Normally I would have been like, fuck this guy. 
but he did it in such a way that I was like, that was sweet. Yeah, and it just really made me want to feature. Like, I want to be in this packed-ass room where you can't, you know, if you're good, you can't do anything wrong. You get on such a roll here. Um, we've only got about 30 minutes left. i got to get my ass yeah. to a uh, a uh, doctor's appointment. I, I had a surgery a couple of years ago on my shoulder. And a couple months ago, we went skiing. And, excuse me, I... Uh, <laughs> I was getting pretty cocky towards the end and there was this little tree that you could like ski up and around and I had never done it. I'd seen people doing it. I'm like, I can do that. I'm killing it. You know, I was really getting confident and cocky and feeling good. And there was this tree, this little tree in a hill. And I was like, ah, it's just, you just go up and around it. But I couldn't see you that on the other side, there were like three of those moguls, like right in a row. And Dude, I hit the first two and somehow managed to not wipe out. But that third one, I mean, boom, I pulled a Charlie Brown, man. I mean, shit went everywhere. Was I, couldn't, your, I can't believe my skis stayed straight on. Up, your, oh, dude, it your was. Face is in the, in the snow. I may have done a flip. I don't know. But I landed and I was all shook up where you have to lay there for about 20 seconds just to be like, okay, everything's attached. And somehow my fucking skis were on. I have no idea. But I totally screwed up my shoulder and it hasn't been right since. So. I've got to get to the uh, doctor. So if we're ready to call Justin, yeah, let's let's see if we can. Uh, let's see what we got here. It should be, hopefully, not too far away. Guys, can go to timgathercomedy.com. Timgathercomedy.com. Justin, you there? Yep, I was just listening to you oh, sell timgathercomedy.com. Nice. Good, good. So we so we just got done discussing the. The infamous oh Bruce Bruce is here, but Justin Leon is here right now. <laughs> Bruce Bruce is here, but Justin Leon's in this motherfucker right now. Oh my god, it was it, it gave me chills, dude. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Um, and I think were you wearing glasses at the time? Because I think uh, I think you may have taken off your glasses and you were like po- you were like polishing them or no, cleaning them. It, it, it wasn't no. What I did was I had a. Uh, I had a suit jacket on and I had a handkerchief in my pocket. Right. And and when uh when it, the crowd got nuts, that's when I grabbed the <laughs> I grabbed the handkerchief out of my pocket like a preacher and I waved it at the audience. I said, I know Bruce Bruce is here, but Justin Leon's in this motherfucker right now and I <laughs> waved it at him. <laughs> oh dude, it was and sweet. The place just went, and I and think Bruce- and Bruce Bruce hated me from that moment really? to this moment. Oh my God, uh, he still. And I've only seen him a few times in years, but it's one of those things where I know that when he looks at me, I saw him in I can't remember the club in Florida where they have the crossover. Uh, they used to have the crossover from the, whoever is working the, the next week has the same night as that thing Sunday night. There's an early show and then a late show for whoever is coming in the next week. And Bruce Bruce was in. I was featuring. And Bruce Bruce was in the the upcoming week, and I walked in the green room, and he was sitting there, and he looked at me, goes, "Nigga, is you here this week?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I because and, and, I, I didn't even know if he remembered me, but that was his first words. I said, "Oh, he remembered me." I said, "Nah, man, I was here last week." He said, "Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that." <laughs> Oh, that's that's. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I he, wish I would have known. I just would have took his fat ass some candy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything would have been all right. That's also <laughs> episode nine, everybody. You got to go back and listen to that. I told some, I told a couple of funny Bruce Bruce stories, and I think if I remember correctly, it may have been the same night. Uh, right after you did that, 
it seems like when it down, died down a little bit, you were still fired up and you go, I do this shit for a living. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even say, I do this for a living. You go, do this shit for a living. <laughs> it was preacher-like, dude. Yeah, I, I, I was in a, I was in one of the most, that room, that, that Stanford's room was just oh. the, the most beautiful place in the world to ever do comedy. And when that room got hot, there was nothing like it. It just, the, you could feel, you could feel the vibrations on the floor and, and, and the, you could feel the laughter. That's an interesting thing, but you could actually feel the laughter. It, it, it you could feel it physically touching you and it was just a, yeah that, that and, and was you could was, write jokes there because when the crowd is that good shit just flows out of you that's what i wish all <laughs> shitty crowds knew i was like man when you're that's good, why it's easier it's easier to to try new stuff and make it work when you have a hot audience because your confidence is high and you're confident that if even if it has a little something there the crowd will kind of guide you to where it is you're supposed to go with that joke or that line or your rhythm it's like a volley in tennis you you, you hit it towards them and and you see how they give it back to you and you know it, how to hit it back it's just it's a it's a beautiful thing when it's yeah you when it's in rhythm you end up taking four five more swings at a joke that you hadn't gotten the opportunity absolutely to. and it's absolutely. part of the reason guys like louis ck and bill burr i'm not knocking their talent they're all amazing writers and performers and everything but it's part of the reason that now and it's part of their reward for working so hard for so long is that they get a lot more leeway than most people and when you can go out and everybody's your friend Man, if you're funny, it, you're gonna come up with funnier shit all the time. It just because it just it, comes it, out. It's, of you. I was I was uh, at Stanford's one night watching uh, Frank Frank Caliendo, who who hated doing stand up at the time. I don't know him now. I don't know if he still feels that way or whatever. But he hated it at that time. He was just doing it because he was getting paid. And he did a bit that uh, the audience was so willing and it's even more so with uh when you do impersonations but the audience was so willing to go anywhere with him he did this bit where all the seinfeld characters were on drugs and he was doing kramer and whatever line he was supposed to say now, was he, he doing just, was he, he doing steve kramer or, reg, or just no, <laughs> no 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 i'm sure steve was there somewhere in the building but he wasn't doing kramer uh, uh doing cosmo kramer and uh and whatever the line was, he just he just flubbed it. He just he just he messed it up completely, and it made no sense. And it wasn't funny. It wasn't like he, it wasn't like a flub that was a funny flub. It was just a misstep. And the audience died, just died, because the joke had it had nothing to do with the joke. It had mm -hmm. to do with everything about what they were seeing and what they were accepting of, and what they were just like, oh, that's okay. It didn't have to work. You you're doing the voice. You're doing the voice. We know you. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah, when they get on board with you and they're on board with whatever you say, it's just like it's just like you have some friends that you're funnier around, you know? Yeah, you're more comfortable, yeah. it's more natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've never been as funny as I am around Tim Gaither or uh, my best friend Chuck, uh, who I grew up with, who's not a stand-up but should be. But, uh, Man, he's funny, dude. God damn, yeah. Chuck, Chuck is oh, funny. He, I mean, he tells... Yeah. When he tells a story, you would think it was a professional comic telling it. I mean, I'm just Absolutely. like, man, if you could just do what you're doing right now in front of a whole bunch of people, you, 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 we, me and Justin would have to open for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, you know, that's the hard part. You know, I mean, he, yeah, yeah, and that's the that, and that's the only thing that keeps Chuck from doing it is when we were young. I remember we were both like 19 or 20, and 
and we were was sitting in a bar and talking, and we were talking about our similarities and our differences. And he says, uh, he, I said, man, when we walk in this bar, don't you want to sit here? Don't you want everybody just to know you're here? And don't you want everybody just to have a conversation with these people? And have, he was like, no, I don't want none of that. <laughs> and, and it dawned on me at that moment, oh, everybody don't want to be on stage. Okay. Well, All right, so there, maybe there's something wrong with me. Well, earlier when he said, you know, with a, with a good, you know, when you meet someone you can trust, you're funny around. What, what when you first met Tim? Like, what what about Tim? You know, did did when, you like? Or like, did, you know, it like, was oh, it was there was a. I'm a I'm an athlete from back in the day, and there's a there's a thing when you have on a team. So when I was in high school, I was a, a Missouri. Kansas All-Star, Mocan All-Star, my senior year in high school, uh, went to Westport High School in Kansas City, had a badass basketball team, just some of the best players in the city right there on my team. And when we were on the court, we wanted everybody to do well, but there was still a competitive nature on the court to wanting to do well yourself. You know, team is team, but you still you want to make sure you're doing good for the team. Tim, I could feel his competitive nature but I could feel his, his, also his appreciation for me. It's like it's, me and Tim are so much, are so similar. I like Tim because Tim respected how funny I was, I, and Tim liked me because I respected how funny he was. And then we can go from there. Yeah, you, the you first, want, the first thing that made me like you was you were like, "Man, you're funny." I'm like, "You all right then?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I watched you, and I was like, "You funny too." But when I first like, when I first saw Justin, I, I my the competitive side of me was because at that time I was like the funniest open micer, and then he came along and right off the bat was funny, and uh, and I was just there was a part of me that was like, oh, "Fuck this guy," and then, <laughs> but then when we and, talked, and, I was like, "He's all right. I like him." Yeah, and and, and we we have. Uh, there's, there's similarities in our just in our uh, thought process and and how we what we think is funny and um, you know when we were out whoring around we 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 chased women a little bit and and it was fun and that was competitive too at, at a certain point you know it was and uh, but yeah me and Tim just we clicked immediately yeah we uh, we we always did and and and. How long has it it's been? Damn near twenty years already, and I know. Uh, and it's I was always been about the that same. The other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I got some. Uh, who? So Chuck was one of your biggest uh, influences starting out. Who? Absolutely. Your favorite of all time is Richard Pryor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, without a doubt. His honesty, Pryor's honesty. You know, it's. I think you and I had this conversation the other day. We were talking about how uh, his legacy. And his memory is 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 fading, and it's unfortunate. And not in comedy world, but in just general public, they don't see Rich as what we saw him as, or, or what he his influence. And and uh, but his his ability to take pain and and, and turn it into funny is something I, I still strive for. That's that's what I'm going for right now with uh, the death of my mother and trying to make that funny. You know, I've I've, I've I found a couple things that I've done that are really funny, yeah, and and it came off of that pain and uh, and that honesty is something that can't be taken. You know, we we talked about hacks the other day and people stealing material and it's hard to steal something when it comes from real truth. It's hard to steal it 
if it's if it's my story it's it's possible you can change rock to stone but but it won't have the same impact yeah. and the same reality if it's not your truth and so his truth is what made Richard Pryor incredible now now there's a whole generation that when if they look at a Richard Pryor DVD or a comedy special they go I've heard these jokes before yeah you have you heard some shitty comic do his rock to stone version of right. it and now it's taking all the power away from it because you don't realize this was the first man to not only say it, it was the first motherfucker to, to think it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I went, into so, a, I went into a blockbuster right after Richard passed away, and I was like, just wanted to see some videos at some stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you have any Richard Pryor? And the guy was like, we have Dave Chappelle. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Did I ask for Dave Chappelle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I appreciate Dave Chappelle, but that's yeah, not, you know, he's funny. just because he's but black and funny. But I want to see who, influ who influenced Dave Chappelle. Exactly. Who, you know, you know, it, but, it, but it goes to the, it goes in everything. In sports, I was watching, you know, the NBA playoffs going on, and every year we get the comparison is 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 LeBron as good as Jordan? Is he, is he going to be as good as Jordan? All that comparison. There are kids that don't know who Michael Jordan is other than that dude that sells tennis shoes. They don't have a clue yeah. what he was or what that was during that time. It, everything passes on. It just Everything just goes. We it were talking goes. the other day. We, my, uh, Casey and I were talking about how, um, how it used to be so exciting, like if a movie came out um, – you know, and then and then the process of that, the movie would come out and be out for a few weeks or a month or whatever, depending on how well it did. And then you had to wait for it to come to the to the video store. And mm -hmm. if you weren't the type of family that got to go to movies, you got excited about that shit. You're like, ooh, it's oh, coming absolutely. out. And you would try to go and get the copy. And you so, had you learned Tuesday, how to right. wait for things, yep. you know. And now kids, not to sound like I'm 90, but kids don't have to wait for shit. I mean, everything is at their disposal. And that's part of why I think so many freaking young kids have anxieties because they have so many choices you know back in the day it's like you did this this and this and you could do that okay Look, like you knew the now you can do any goddamn you thing watch the simpsons that meant you had to be home at 425 yes, there were the four simpsons, channels yeah, yeah all that shit. married with children came on immediately after like that's the you know you had well let, let me let, let me let me say this you both do sound like 90 year old men because <laughs> evolution is my friends this is what happens you sound like old folks not ready to handle what's going on oh yeah it's just how i embrace it you have, to, you have to ride it out y'all all gonna have to ride i was it the out. guy These 15 years ago kids with add and they have no patience they're going to kill us off. You understand? They're going to be last. We're, our, our time is coming where we won't be here anymore, and that's what's going to be left. It's just part of it. We we will be the cavemen on that on that painting. We will be the ones that aren't really, fully human anymore. It's not. It's just. It, it's, it's. I hate some parts of it, but other parts of it, I just I just don't waste the energy on that part of it because i know there's really nothing you could we, we have let this genie out the bottle talking about waiting on movie man i can i can see whatever movie comes out today i have i have a process where i can get to see it on my tv tonight yeah and so and so you know and i like that <laughs> I, I love not having to go to the movie and spend twenty dollars to get in and then forty dollars for snacks I, I like that. I, I enjoy that part. Oh, of, I do too. My point is, it's it's making it's making people where they have no patience for anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So that's why I got a I got a good smart wife, and when I get old, I'm just gonna put her around behind her, going, "I don't understand anything," and everyone can fuck off, and she'll be like, and she'll be apologizing for me. Translate that. She'll She'll be be apologizing. I can't wait till my wife has to apologize for me until she's like, "I'm sorry about you." (laughs) EJ, my my girl already has to do that. We were in uh, where did we go? We went down to Starve Rock uh, State Park last weekend. I was I did a gig. Uh, in Aurora, Illinois, and it was about a half, about an hour, halfway point from our house to to the Star Park, and so we went there on Sunday on the off day. And uh, before we went, <laughs> we stopped and got breakfast at this restaurant. It's a restaurant slash bar, uh, really good food. Uh, and we were sitting at the table, and there was three girls at the bar drinking, day drinking. You know, you can see they just having a good time but they were loud as hell i yeah. mean just annoyingly loud right like the worst how why why do i hear your conversation why are you spring here? break drunk right there, now there are there are three other tables there and i can't hear any of them and they're all closer to me than that the girls are why can i hear all their conversation and so i'm getting a little annoyed i'm kind of trying to let it go then i look across and the guy i catch eyes with a guy at a table and he looks over at over at me and kind of rolls his eyes and kind of looks over at the girls and kind of puts the, the finger to his head like he's like he's killing himself just kill me now just some random I mean, guy that's nice just a random guy <laughs> he's table. i like i like those kind guy. of bonding experiences yeah, yeah, with strangers and i see Very that true. and what that does is it triggers something in me like oh it's okay I, it, it ain't just me being annoyed <laughs> by these bitches these bitches is annoying. Sometimes all we need so, is a little bit of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And that's all and that's all I needed right there. And so we were, I got, we got the check and we're walking out. And as I'm at the door, one of them says something to the other one. And the other one goes, ha, 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 ha. And then I went, ha, 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 ha. And I walked out the door. <laughs> that's hilarious. Just loud as shit. And, and, and uh, as we were walking out, EJ goes, I knew you were going to do something. I didn't know what it was, but I knew you couldn't handle it. I was like, well, I hope you can handle it because it ain't going to do nothing but get worse. Well, so, you want to see somebody act like a, you want to see somebody act like an old man. Take me to like a Mimi's Cafe and tell me we don't have that steak salad anymore, sir. I'll be like, well, shit, we might as well go home. <laughs> Why did we come in? Here? I hate that shit, man. I hate when you start liking a dish that some restaurant has, and that's the only reason you go to that damn place. And then they're like, oh, we stopped serving that. And I'm like, well, you better bring it but, back, motherfucker. But, Justin, I wanted to say like, but you doing that or someone doing something like I, I check people in public, and it's never like with cruel intentions, but say something sometimes just to let people know, like, hey. Like that's not cool. Like just so you know, normal people uh, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why that's why privilege you got. I can't just do that to everybody. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, I get I get looked at funny. Nigga, what you talking about? No, I'm fucking with you. Uh, I, I, I sometimes sometimes I'll do it, but sometimes it's not worth it to me because it's all about picking your battles. Yeah, there's so much. If oh, we did that absolutely. in every moment, yeah, yeah, you can't do it all. It was annoying. That's what I'm saying. So for me, it, it has to be the situation has to be right for me to do that. Uh, I, I will stand up for anybody at any time. Uh, but if it's just me being annoyed, I have to check myself on my annoyance. I always go through the, the check down process in my head. If somebody's rude to me or or treats me in a way that I'm not appreciative of, 
then I go down a checklist in my head. Look at this person. Where are they at? What are they doing? What what else could be going on in their life? Who is you know what what happens when they go home? Who are they married to? What are their kids like? I factor in all these things to see why somebody's acting a certain way. Because there's days where things happen to me or I or something's happened where I I'm not focused on my interaction with the person in front of me. I'm focused on what's going on in my head. And so right. it might come off wrong to these people. So I try to factor that all in. Yep. And and after I factor all that, if I still say, well, this person's an asshole, then I go, well, fuck you. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I know, for me personally, just, uh, that's going to ha- usually happens for me when I'm in lines. That's usually when I'm going to say something. Is yeah. if someone slips yeah. up in a line, you know, then I'm the, I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling yeah. you out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, Justin, we uh, we're actually we're running. Uh... Well, I wanted to ask you this real quick. Uh, completely mm-hmm. change gears, and this shouldn't take too long. Um, do you have a uh, favorite Tim Gaither drunk story? You, uh, there's so many. There's so many that I have during that time. Uh, I was thinking about it. Um, one is one of my favorite ones is when you were drunk and we were standing outside 3529 Warwick where we were living. I don't even know this. And, uh, this is going to be exciting. And, uh, and we were, Tim had pulled, I think he had pulled up to the house and said his tire was low or flat or going flat. So we go outside, me, Chris Porter, Tim, and we're standing there. And I think, I know weed was involved uh, in alcohol. And we're sitting and Tim is talking shit and changing his tire. He done. <laughs> He done jacked up the car. We're not helping him. This is his fucking car. This is his mess. <laughs> Nobody helping him do shit. Me yeah, and Chris he, are standing there watching him the whole time. I mean, from but I don't even think he asked us to help. I don't even think it was an option. We just sat there and watched him, and he's talking, and he's laughing, and he, he jacks up the car, and he starts taking the lug nut off of off of the tire, and he I think he gets three lug nuts off of it. And me and Chris have have, have know what's going on for for five minutes now this nut is taking off the tire that's not flat <laughs> he has he has jacked up the car taking nuts off and he has almost got the tire off before he goes damn it this ain't the flat tire he has to go through the whole process again incredible uh, also there was tim had this uh what was that little car the little convertible uh the uh it was a Capri or some shit like that. It was like the tiniest convertible. Justin looked like it was Marmaduke like, Duke sitting in that thing. If, 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 uh, if, a Miata, if a Miata took a shit, that's what kind of car Tim had. It was it's fun to drive, man. Little bitch-ass car. Oh, and he's right. And with the top down, I, my head stuck out of it just like Marmaduke. It stuck up over the, the windshield. <laughs> yeah, oh, I could, I could look over the windshield in the car. And... Uh, and one night we had left Stanford's and was going to that bowling alley over there to meet somebody. And it was, and Tim was, I, I, I know he was drunk and we were, he was driving and I was in the passenger seat and we came around that corner and I, he almost hit this truck like a, like a moving truck or something that was coming out of taking your head off. I mean, it would it it was it was so close to just ending everything, <laughs> and and I remember to myself going, "Man, I, hey man, you almost killed me," <laughs> and, and, and but not thinking it 
deeply. It, it wasn't it wasn't like holy shit, that's life. It was like, come on, man, we still got to get to the bowling alley. But as I got older, I thought on that day, and I was like, holy shit, that could have that could have been real jacked up. Uh, man, being twenty three was awesome, wasn't it? Oh my god, oh yeah, my god, I, it was I, it was crazy. I uh, I I drank and drove a fair amount. I apologize to everyone, but. Uh, I deserved thousands of DUIs, but I never got one. And uh, you know, no, but you had to, you had to go to jail, so you know. Yeah, I did have bal- some... all balanced out in the wash. Yeah, and I wasn't drunk like every damn day, but I was stoned no. every day. <laughs> no, all, and, and see, for water. me, I was I was always concerned about the drinking, but I but uh, I, my my biggest fear was always that uh they get put you be in a situation you said something about what did i say to you after the fight in columbia oh well if you don't remember what you told me i can't i can't be the one to say it do you you oh i think i do it must it must have been i got into a fight right after i got out of jail and the first thing you said to me was you go you are so you remember what else? Niggerish. <laughs> it was a niggerish. Was that what I said? Yes. I that's think what that you is. Said. Yeah, I think yeah. I think niggerish. Yeah. And you so were. Funny. You were very niggerish at that time. There was stuff that you would do that was just like, why the fuck would you do that? What are you thinking? Oh man. You were you were trying it. I I don't know. It, there's there's something self destructive about you, bro, and you know that uh, that sometimes you it used to be, I and mean, it's not it's not nearly as what it was I, I say that with all sincerity yeah you are oh you are so much a better person than you were then you were still funny as hell and all that kind of stuff but for yourself yeah you're so much a better person I'm so much than nicer to me i was always pretty yes nice. yes was... yes it took it, it took you forever to like you you, you just didn't <laughs> like you I, I i mean that for real i think i liked you more than you liked you back in the day I yeah. think there was just this battle that you were going with, with through yourself, where you just had some some issues. That it's you all my dad, that bastard. <laughs> it's all... Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, I got, I'm I got, good. I got two, I got two of them dads that I had to fight over all them that shit that they all passed on. And uh, but you know that's that's all in the past, and 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 I'm 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 lucky to call myself your friend, and uh, I'm glad you didn't. Didn't have to go away for a real long time. Yeah, we've and, uh, uh, learned we've got, some lessons. We've got a lot of uh, stories, and I've got a lot of questions to ask you. But we're uh, we're pretty much we're pretty much out of time. But I've still got all these freaking questions. So uh, well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have we'll, you we'll have you back on as soon as possible. And, I love uh, that. Well, yeah. no, where can the listener uh, track you down, Justin? Uh, you can go to all the social media. Um, do uh, Mr. Justin Leon Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, I'm not doing nothing. I got a gig end of May, uh, but other than that, I'm slow for right now. So if you just want to see me say some funny shit, follow the man. Come on, follow me. All right, guys. Appreciate the time. You bet, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Nice. So you know that's so. He filled us in on a, on a few things, and yeah, do you remember you know, the I, tire? Do you I, remember the cha- changing the tire story? I, I do. I think I was more. Uh, I think I was more stoned than anything. I don't. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> that does sound very, like a, the ultimate my, stone. My my drinking. I mean, not to like make it sound better than it was, but I wasn't. I, I don't want anybody to get the picture that I was like drunk every day, all day, any any shit like that. It was just that I I had some moments when I was drinking that. Uh, and I had some great shows too. I had a lot of fun uh, sometimes. And this, and the, this, this <laughs> but at the dr- end of the night usually got kind of. 
And this is the this is after shows. This is just a few blocks from the club you just performed at. Yeah, and I'm in my mid twenties. Hanging out with other comics that are doing the same I'm thing. I'm drinking. Alcohol's free, and uh, I finally just got to age thirty five, and I was like, "Dude, if you don't stop, you're gonna end up in your mid forties. Your career will have gone nowhere. You'll be a full blown alcoholic, and." I just saw the writing on the wall, and I just fucking stopped. So, Medical problems, all that yeah, stuff. My yeah, my stomach yeah, yeah. was getting messed up and all that stuff. So I just took it out of the equation, and it made my life so much easier. It was like, yeah, it was like carrying around a backpack full of bricks. And when I took it off, I was like, oh, well, shit, this is so much easier. <laughs> You're like, God, <laughs> yeah, this damn, is easier this is... on my back, and I can sleep better. And, and uh, Oh, all is good. Well, um yeah, I've got to get to this doctor okay. so I can sit. Guys, in the, so uh, I can sit in the lobby in uh, Iowa. Des Moines Funny Bone. That's coming up the eighth, ninth, and tenth. And then you're going to be in Vegas, Laugh Factory, Tropicana. That's the twelfth through the eighteenth. The end of this month, I'll be at the Syracuse Funny Bone also. But uh, yeah. and then also we've got the Blue Room in Springfield, Missouri, coming up in uh, mid July. Going to be up in Seattle on the fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth also. So look out for that, and then uh, yeah, my June and July, I think I'm booked every week. Yeah, it looks yeah. So I'm Omaha not... Funny Bone the twenty at the end of July. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming up. Scottsdale uh, in August there on the seventeenth through the nineteenth. Yeah, comedy, the comedy spot. spot. It's a lot of fun there. It's a fun little room, very intimate. But uh, I do got to get the heck yep. out of here. Um, uh, we're gonna be back next week. I'm trying to get my my cousin AJ on here. He's had some. Uh, traveling difficulties so we haven't had been able to get we'll, him on we'll yet. work that out guys yeah. go to timgathercomedy.com and hey thanks for sharing subscribing leave Please. comments rate all that stuff guys we love it appreciate it god bless all of you talk to you later bye